Scott and Liam versus Evil. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scott and Liam vs. Evil. It's Happy New Year to all you fuckers out there. It's now 2019, which means it's very, very close to 2022, which means they are sending people to Mars. Actually, they're not actually sending people to Mars. Do you know what I've done? I read about this. Do you know the Mars One program? They're whittled people down from like 10 million down to 100 contestants or potential astronauts to go to Mars on that one-way ticket. And then I read they have then they'll be sent to somewhere in the Arizona desert to learn how to be a Martian for ten years before they actually fly away. So being 2019 means actually fuck all. Hope you had a did you have a good Happy New Year? <laughs> <laughs> happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> to me, uh, my New Year was good. I'm getting older, so it was quieter than usual. Uh, but I'm now loaded with the cold mm. or the flu or malaria. It's one of the above. I'll say the cold. So, did you? No, I'll say you've got the cold. Oh, right, I thought you said I also had the cold. No. Ah, but you don't know. You've never treated anyone with malaria. You don't fucking know. Nah, did you get the same kind of malaria that uh, Cheryl Cole had? Kid on malaria? I think that was actual malaria she had. No. Nah. <laughs> I think it was. I don't believe it. Well, you're not a fucking malaria doctor, so... She was, next, she was next to some African kid who had malaria and died, and then she just told everybody she had malaria. I think that could be seen as slander, Scott. Are we, to, well, are we want to kick off 2019 slander and Cheryl Cole? All I'm saying is she's been in like, she said like, mere second names and I've had hot dinners. <laughs> Nobody likes her. Especially know that uh, toilet attendant in the, in the nightclub in Liverpool. <laughs> that must be a story that I've missed. But <laughs> rather than fucking ruin Cheryl Cole, let's get straight into episode 83 Scott and Liam versus Evil and their best of 2018. First, I think we want to talk about Better Watch Out. Uh, Scott had it as a pick for one of the next episodes, but because at times we're all over the place, we've decided to just throw it in here as a little bonus. So you guys are fucking welcome. Because it's coming in at the start of this episode and everybody's really just here for the lists to find out um, what movies you've enjoyed and so therefore which movies they should watch and find out which movies I've put in my list that will annoy them. Well, (laughs) you might be surprised this year, folks. I'm taking it seriously. Um, So I'm not going to go through my my notes for Better Watch Out the way that we normally do a movie because um, I've wrote a lot of notes, but I don't know. it It was good, right? The movie was good, but it was less than I thought it was going to be. Does that make sense? Mm. Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. Uh, Better Watch Out is a Christmas horror. came out in 2017? 2016? Probably 16. Did it? Yeah. Wait, uh, have you got in your fucking top 10 for this year? No. Because <laughs> right. uh, you've started out like that, I'm going home. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> uh, it came out at some point. It was directed by Chris Peckover. It stars a bunch of Waynes. Uh, I actually really enjoyed it. I, I wasn't expecting anything from it at all though because most Christmas horrors, albeit cheesy, are usually shit. But I actually had quite a lot of fun with this. Now, what they did say, what I had in my head was that it was uh, a horror Home Alone. That's That was the impression I got, or like an adult Home Alone. And then when you watch the movie, that, own, that obviously came from that one scene. But 
it really, I, w- I didn't really know anything about it other than it's an adult home alone. I, th- I thought thinking it was an adult home alone was enough. I thought, well, that tells me everything I need to know. And then I watch it, and then it's that it was I was not expecting the turn it took at all. How many times can you say adult home alone in one sentence? I'll, I'll, I'll say it quite a lot before this is finished. <laughs> So the synopsis for Better Watch Out is on a quiet suburban street, a babysitter must defend a 12-year-old boy from intruders only to discover it's far from a normal home invasion. On IMDb, this is listed as a comedy, crime and a horror. So unlike Scott's other comedy horrors, this could actually be classed as a comedy horror. So here's the trailer. Want to put her in the mood? Watch a horror movie. Dude, she's like twice our age. I really don't think it's gonna happen. She's here. You are breathtaking. <laughs> Thank you. Now don't stay up and watch scary movies, okay? It'll give you nightmares again. So what do you want to do? Ricky, why can't you just leave me alone? He's such a jerk. Don't hang up on me. What was that? There's someone there. Ashley! Are you hiding? I'll find you. Don't worry, I'll protect you. So starts off right. So he's this this wee like twelve year old boy is saying how he fancies this babysitter before they move away, and she's also about to move away as well. Now you think she turns up at the door and she's kind of flirting with the dad and she's kind of flirting with the wee boy as well, and you think that maybe this wee boy does have a chance until the parents walk out and instantly she's just like any other kind of teenager, like mate, I'm I'm working right, so beat it. But he starts thinking that he's is something, and he pops open a bottle of wine like a like a Prosecco, like a fizzy, fizzy wine, he pops it open and then starts tanking it out of the bottle. One, you can't do that. I've done it once before at New Year's in my mum's living room. I popped a bottle of pink champagne, stuck it right in my mouth and it, the fizz just made me spit it everywhere, like all over my mum's new cream carpet. Um, also, that that bottle of wine that they're drinking from is like a never-ending bottle of wine. But it's always the case in these daft movies where teenagers drink or even just Americans drink because we all know they can't drink. <laughs> You're really firing out all cylinders for 2019, now offending all the <laughs> Americans as well. Yeah. Although, 
Although, uh, not that's that, that doesn't say them all. Uh, some of them, some of them can drink. <laughs> now, the wee boy in it, he's a bit of twat. He is. He's a wee fucking gonk, man. And then it says, uh, one of my notes here is uh, they're obviously all done pizza. And uh, it says he seems like he would like a little more sausage, and not just in the pizza, if you know what I mean. So I didn't believe the fact that he was chasing after this lassie at all. Like I really thought, like he was, and it's perfectly fine if he's chasing after the dudes, but. I just did not believe that he was a straight boy at all. I don't believe that actor is a straight boy at all. 2019, we don't have gender or sexuality now. Okay, I'm sorry, I assumed his gender, I assumed his <laughs> Everything. identity, his sexuality. Everything is free reign. MD can fuck MD, and MD can be anything. You can be a fucking swan if you want, just be a swan. Right, fair enough. Because I, I am, I am an advocate for allowing people to be however they want to be, if, as long as they're happy. So I cannot argue with that. I'm afraid. Uh, however, when the pizza did arrive, I will be angry at the fact that the pizza looked cold as fuck. Do you know when you just know that's a cold, that pizza's been lying like all day. Aye. Would you rather still eat it though? I, I bear in mind I used to go to your flat after the cat house. I've seen the kind of stuff that you guys would eat. <laughs> See, the morning after that's fine, but if you've just had a delivery by the delivery man, I'd be like phoning up. Fucking pizza Mario's and getting them to <laughs> Now you know you just slandered on actual pizza companies. He's actually my neighbour, he lives two doors away from me. <laughs> I'm going to chat his door. Is his name Pizza Mario or does he actually own Pizza Mario? I think he's a. Uh, no, I think his second name's uh, Ribeiro, I think. Pizza Ribeiro. But he just calls himself Pizza Mario because it sounds better, I think. Does he actually sell pizza or is this just a nickname people in the street give him? <laughs> yeah, no, he owns the chippy up the street. <laughs> um. There's just so much annoyance in this in this movie. Basically, like they start to, there's a couple of things happen that the babysitter starts to think that oh shit, something's happening in this house. So the pizza arrives at the door uninvited, like it wasn't ordered, and uh, the door was lying open at one point, and then like, she goes back to the door a second time, and the, see if the door was open a second time, I would assume somebody was in the house. I wouldn't think, oh, what the fuck's going on? I'd be like, right, that door has been lying open twice. Somebody is in this house, and then a brick comes through the window. And it's like a full-on house brick, and it's a tiny wee hole in the window. I'm like, there's no way that that brick made that hole. It's not on. I think you've approached this kids' comedy Christmas horror the totally wrong way. No, no. <laughs> they should have been paying attention to what's going on here. <laughs> then on the brick it says, you leave, you die. So I say, so does that mean that they're just safe in the house? Well, yes. So then she means she doesn't want to leave. Yeah, yeah. The whole, I, point, was, the whole I, point of the story of the film is to try and kidnap the lassie and not make her leave, so if anything, that is a major, major plot point, that brick. I suppose, I suppose, and then a lot of my notes actually for this kind of first half are on, on second view and would probably actually make sense. You know, the first view and I'm like, why is he saying, why are they going into the attic, why is he saying he's not going to shoot the gun, why is he doing this? I'm thinking actually because he's he has actually planned the whole thing. Right, so, so, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Better Watch Out, you might want to go and watch it before I'm about to say this. <laughs> uh, but So, you didn't know or see the twist coming at all before it did? When you were taking Me? No, I was, not, I was not expecting the turn at all. I thought it was them against an actual intruder, not that he was a wee psycho rapist. Yeah, it, I, it got me totally off guard as well. That's, I think, where I gave it a few extra points and enjoyed the movie more than I might have otherwise just because I did not see that coming mm-hmm. now uh, he did play psycho pretty well like I did think that he was like a bit unhinged I believe that um no wait did I 
No, because my next note is, I don't believe him is sinister. I know they are tied up in that, but he would get his head kicked in all day long. Do you know how much faith I have in your top 10 of 2018 last now? <laughs> don't trust me, Fucking trust me, trust me. zero. There's a scene There's a scene in this movie, right, where she kind of gets a hand free or whatever, and she they leave her tied up in the kitchen of a chair, and she manages to get this wee torch, and she's shining SOS at the kitchen window. Now, see, if I looked over at my neighbours and I seen SOS flashing at the window, I'd go, oh, the kids are playing with torches. I'm going back to the telly. But what if it kept flashing the same message, you would maybe actually realise that, oh shit, maybe somebody's trying to tell me something? I don't know, I'd probably just shut my curtains and look away. And yet you're the one that thinks you're going to survive the, the apocalypse? Yeah, because I don't get myself involved in anybody else's shit. <laughs> fair point, fair point. <laughs> now here's a question, right? Now because the boyfriend turns up and they manage to knock him out and tie him up to the chair as well, and uh, he pisses himself. Now, would you piss yourself in order to gain advantage in a life or death situation? Mm. Did he piss himself to gain advantage or did he piss himself because he was genuinely afraid? I think he... Mm, I think, no, I remember it. I think he, I think he pisses himself to gain an advantage. Like, but in what, in what play... In what way, sorry, does... Because the wee boy has a squealing voice fit and goes to clean it up. Aye, but that's maybe just this wee boy then that allows her to like keep like scratching like so she's got like a bit of glass or something that she's untying her duct tape with nine times out of ten though i think any situation that you're in you think you need to piss yourself to get an upper hand is you'll piss yourself but you'll not get an upper hand and you'll just be the guy there covered in piss still in the same situation actually worse off because you know stinky piss so you wouldn't piss yourself in life in this situation no okay. piss myself when i'm drunk or <laughs> when i'm asleep but if I actually had my wits about me and I was thinking, oh, how am I going to survive this? Then no, I wouldn't be able to piss myself. I'm a shy, I've am got a shy bladder, so at times of severe tension and terror, I don't think I'd be able to piss even if I wanted to. Fair enough. <laughs> now, I'm looking where, where I am in my notes. I think I'm powering through these notes like a bat out of hell. Right? <laughs> so Does that mean we can now play bat out of hell as the outro song for this? Uh, it depends how the rest of the episode goes, we'll find out maybe something better. I, I, really want to play hell. I don't think there's a better way to kick off 2019 than finishing with Battle of Hell. The full version? The full version. Piano, fucking overture, everything. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, um, no, what we'll do is we'll cut 40 seconds off the end date so then we don't need to actually claim that it's in the episode and we don't need to like, pay any rights or anything. <laughs> is that why you shot all the songs? No. <laughs> in my head, that's actually that is what happens, but I don't even know if that's the case. Like, I could probably we could probably still get done for playing. No, I think it. No, 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 no. I think it is the case because um, do you remember the the ten pin bowling at the Showcase Cinema in Coatbridge? Yeah. They used to have um, a tellys up that would play like fifteen seconds of pop songs, and the videos then change. It's because they wouldn't pay the royalties, like, the, the rights to play the full song, so they only used to play, like, 15 seconds each song. I don't remember that. How how enjoyable was that? Shame <laughs> as I know, but why why would anyone then want to go bowling there if they were just playing 15 seconds of songs? I guess you'd just get sucked into the bowling. You wouldn't even get to the fucking anywhere near the first verse. By hell, you're actually about six minutes away for the first verse. Yeah. Ah, oh, shite songs like Britney Spears and NSYNC. 
There's nothing, nothing shit about NSYNC. Dirty Pop was a, a pop classic. Now it is. It was at the time. Remember you used to download it on Bearshare and Kaza? Bearshare? <laughs> Bear, yeah. That, that sounds like a... That sounds like a couple of big hairy guys just sharing pictures of their butts, man. <laughs> isn't that, is that what, what you mean? Isn't that what the internet is? Yeah. My next note here is the is the paintball cans. Or the paint tin cans. Paint tin cans? Paintball cans? Is that where it brings in the Home Alone influence? Yeah. So this is the, this is the part that was likened to Home Alone. Basically what he does here is he says they, they talk about myth, Mythbusters and how Mythbusters had obviously done an episode where we'd throwing the paint cans off the banister, hit a grown man and fly him back like 20 feet or whatever it was supposed to have happened in Home Alone. Um, so in this movie what happens is he throws the paint can off, swings on the arc and hits him square in the face and just explodes his face. Now, I thought this was pretty, pretty, it was pretty cool. It was pretty gruesome when the blood and the yellow paint was mixing together. However, I didn't, I, they didn't show you, they didn't, in fact, they never even showed you even once. But I think as a this is a type of movie that you could probably put on at Christmas for your family as long as they were older kids. I think if it actually showed you a paint can crushing skull, it's probably one that you wouldn't put on at Christmas with anyone other than adults. Mm. Because you can give them the idea of something horrible, like even Home Alone does, and you go, oh fuck. That's, that's horrible. Adults could then picture maybe way worse things than what it's actually showed you. Kids are kids can as well, but I think it crosses a line if it actually shows you on screen. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose so. I suppose so. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has managed to the wee boy has now managed to text an ex boyfriend Jeremy to turn up, um, and Jeremy is the boy from Power Rangers and also from Stranger Things season two. Can't remember who he plays in either of them. Uh, he plays Jason in Power Rangers, and he plays uh, Billy in uh, Stranger Things. The wee gen- is the wee ginger kid, her shirtless brother. Does he? Yeah. If you check yeah, this yeah, out. Yeah. Uh, no, I just recognised his face. I thought he was a sexy man. So Jason from Power Rangers is. Yeah, are you good? Wait, like not Jason from Power- from our version, Jason from the new movie. Oh no, you are correct. Sorry. Yes. I, I am sorry yeah, I doubted you. That's fine. I just have no faith in you in this episode, so I'm actually now just doubting everything <laughs> you say, so yeah. I humbly apologise, Scott. He is well, Jason from Power Thank Rangers. He is. What is his actual name? Oh, I fucking have an office thing now. Two seconds. <laughs> his actual name is Dakery Montgomery. Dakery Montgomery, I'm going to remember that because I quite like him. Um, so he walks up, so he's supposed to be the, the the kind of evil ex because the first guy the guy who gets hit with a paint can is kind of like seems like an actually an alright guy so Jeremy turns up and he's supposed to be the douchebag but he's walking up to the back of the house at this point he knows nothing about what's going on inside he just thinks that Ashley's inviting him over to the house to make up or do whatever and he's walking up outside the house at night going Ashley Ashley and he gets to the doors and he just starts banging on the windows I'm thinking well you're, what's going on you're contradicting yourself here douche What's Jeremy's real name again? Dacary Montgomery. Ah, right. You, you said Strawberry you. He said you'd remember it, so it's not. It's not. It's not Dacary. <laughs> but close enough. Dacary, did. I know Dacary. D A C R E. There might be another way to pronounce it. 
<laughs> Strawberry daiquiri and Montgomery, that's what I'm called. <laughs> right, so, and then what happens is the wee, the wee psycho boy meets him outside and, like, convinces him that uh, Ashley's playing, like, kind of mindfuck games with him and she wants him to write an apology for all the douchebag things he's done. So he ends up actually writing, like, a proper, like, Ashley, for everything that I've done, I'm so sorry. And then the wee boy manages to get a rope on his neck and hang him for the trees and this... Then this point, I'm like, um, it's actually, it's written quite cleverly. It's almost believable for them to get to where they are. And then when you see him hanging, Jeremy, you're like, did he have this whole night planned out from the very beginning? Or is he winging it with every development? I'm not entirely sure. I know, I, I would have thought he had it planned. Because of the way There's, he cleans he, up at the end. Makes you think that he, he, he knew a lot of things that were going to happen that he, he was totally prepared for pretty much the majority of it. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I did quite like the scene when he did hang the boy because obviously he's he's only like 12 or 13 and this boy's meant to be 18 and he's pulling him up by the uh, the kind of lawnmower, you know, the grass cutters that the Americans will have the, the ride on lawnmowers mm-hmm. and he's using that to pull him up off the ground and uh, then he like ties it up so it looks like he's to make it look as if the boy's tied it himself rather than obviously use the lawnmower to pull him up. And then you just see um, Strawberry Daiquiri hanging in the tree, just like finally dying. And then the wee psycho boy is just like driving the lawnmower into the, the shed as if whistling away. I was like, that's that's actually kind of well done. Quite funny, that scene. If you keep calling him Strawberry Daiquiri, you'll never get him on as a guest in the show. <laughs> we try, right. He will be coming on this <laughs> as a guest. Now... I'm quite near the end of my notes here. I had, like I say, I have powered right through them. He goes back in and he meets Ashley, who's tied up in the chair again, or still tied up in the chair. Both her boyfriends are dead. Um, can't remember what's happened to his wee pal, who was like, hey, no, he shot his pal. He shot his pal. Uh, and then this just shows how much of like a psycho he is, and he's like, he shoots his pal and then tell, like blames his pal for it, saying, look what you made me do, because he was jealous because he was he was touching Ashley. He was almost going to let her go or he kissed her or some something like that. Uh, but he comes over and he stands behind that. He stands behind the babysitter, and then he just puts a flick knife into your neck. I was like, "Wow!" I, I was like, "I was not expecting that again." And the way that they done that part with like at the tip, because you think he's like, "Well, he has stabbed her right in the neck." He's, he has, there's no kidding on with that. He stabbed her right in the neck, <laughs> and then he then he just starts going about like he said, cleaning up the house. And I was like, "See if he gets away with this." I, I couldn't. I couldn't work out at this point if I was enjoying the film, like to the point that if if they, because you know that way that you get, you're going to get to the point that somebody's going, a, a budget studio is going to make a movie where they, like the cycle properly is like a human being and fully gets away with it. Not like a, a Jason or a, a, or a Michael Myers where they disappear at the end, they're still alive to kill again. There's going to be one where this, they, they make a movie where this person orchestrates an entire murder and gets fully gets away with it. Because they're not supposed to do that. They're obviously supposed to show that the, the evil gets their comeuppance and everything else, but that it's going to come. And I thought, is this what's going to happen? Is this like millennials making movies now? And it's going to be, and this wee boy's going to get away with this entire nonsense that he's orchestrated. But there was a wee twist at the end, which is quite good. Quite good. I, th- I thought um, the majority of the things the movie done caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting any of the kind of over-the-top violence, albeit suggested violence, and the the, the way it kind of turned on its head 
the home invasion idea. I didn't, I didn't see any of that coming in the movie. Although I actually kind of led you to believe that at the start, it was showing you like wee pictures of him out in the ski slope, and his hat looks a wee bit like it's got devil horns. So it's kind of suggesting to you that this kid's fucked up. This kid's evil. But until mm. that first change happens, I, I, I think I defy anyone really to have seen it coming. And I think that's quite clever for a for a Christmas comedy horror caper. Yeah, I wonder if um, I wonder if watching it back, it's like very obvious from the very start, or if I mean, there's this whole bit about the, when the pizza arrives and they're like, and he says, "Oh, my dad must have ordered it in advance, but there was mushrooms on it." You think, well, or uh, because we're assuming that the boy doesn't like mushrooms, that's why the dad should have known not to order the mushrooms. But then, like, why, like, I don't, I don't know. I wonder if watching it back the second time makes like makes more things make sense. However, the the inclusion of it being at Christmas, the only thing that makes the the, I mean, the fact that it, it's it's not a Christmas film, it's just set at Christmas. No, I would say it's definitely a Christmas film. No, this film could happen at any time, at any point in the year. The only thing it is is just that it's got Christmas decorations up. Uh, but I think for it to for it to get away with the Home Alone reference with the paint cans, for it to be called Better Watch Out, for it to have the kind of fun ending of you think the girl's dead and she's getting carted away in the snow as he's at the window in his pyjamas as if a child waiting in Santa Claus and she gives him the finger and stuff, all that only works if it's set at Christmas. I think it's definitely, definitely a, a Christmas movie. I, I can't see Better Watch Out working in, like, fucking February. Don't get me started in Home Alone, because that's the exact same. That's just a movie set at Christmas. Aye, but it would it still works way better, especially lost in New York, because the reason the family can't travel is because it's Christmas, that everyone's fucking travelling, we can't just get you on a random flight. If it's again, if it was February, you'd be like, ah, yeah, you get you on the next flight, there's fucking Hunter's room. Nobody's travelling in February. <laughs> the uh, the scene you were talking about there when they were carting the girl out at the end and he's watching for the window in his pyjamas is the same as the end of Home Alone as well when he's watching them get arrested. Yeah. It's, uh, it's got a lot of little nods, little genre nods, and I enjoyed it. I had fun. Yeah, there's there's a part right. Just then, there's there's some bullshit about um and being a sleepwalker. So the mum's invented this wee thing. Oh, the mum's also the girl from uh, Candyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virginia Madsen. Yeah. So the mum's invented this wee thing where she balances a pencil on his doorknob so that when he opens it, they hear it dropping or something. I'm not entirely sure what. And it's so that they, it's like a door alarm, so that if they know he's um, sleepwalking. Which, at some point through the movie, I'm sure that he mentions that he's made up sleepwalking just so that his mum could invent the door trap, so that he could use the door trap as a reason why. Oh, fuck, never, doesn't matter. He goes back into his house, right? They enter his bedroom and um, tries to balance the pencil on his door because his whole idea is that he's going to try and pretend that this all happened, this murder all happened downstairs. Now, how he's going to try and say his pal was back in the house, but again, he was trying to act as if he was oblivious to the whole thing. So he puts the pencil on his door, and he has to go into the, the neighbouring bedroom to climb out onto the window to climb back in his bedroom window. Now, what we've had is we've had two shotguns, we've had uh, people screaming from paint cans, we've had all the commotion that's in the house... And we've had, um, maybe a guy killing himself in the back garden would be quiet, but he was expecting the police to believe that he slept through all of that. Yeah. Not to mention... Eh? 
kids get told that if they wake up in like Christmas Eve or at Christmas, Santa will throw pepper in their eyes and they'll never be able to see again. So kids sleep way deeper and heavier at Christmas. So I, I would fully believe it. I don't think that. One of my work colleagues today told me how their kid got up at half three in Christmas morning. Kids do not sleep light or long in Christmas. That's just because they've not taught them right. You're meant to make them terrified, be absolutely terrified of Santa. So that if they see Santa, they, they'll lose their eyes. So kids will fucking sleep. That's what I'm going to do <laughs> my children. Right, so he basically when he stabs the babysitter in the neck um, she lives she puts her hand to it and stops the bleeding she puts a bit of duct tape on her neck and uh, this, this is apparently the, how the paramedics say how clever she is and that's why she's still alive um, so she's got to grass him in even though his rich parents are probably going to hire lawyers to get him off with everything anyway but that's not that's not portrayed in the movie we're left with the idea that um, she's going to catch him or tell the police and he'll be in trouble or better watch out, two comes out and she comes out of hospital and then just finds the wee cunt and just bars him. That would be, that. Right, I'd watch that. Yeah, it doesn't have to have any other story at all than just a lassie kicking fuck out the wee boy for an hour and a half. These ones that are like uh, sequels and they're not, um, they're not, they're direct sequels but they're like, they're not like, no, this is the same movie but twice. It's like, um, this is this is a brand new movie. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, this is just a boy getting lured by a wee lassie. It can happen at Christmas if you want, but it doesn't really matter. It could also happen in February because we don't need we don't need the boy to be contained in the house at Christmas. Could be, uh, yeah, some summer holiday. Yeah. Uh, better watch out too. Uh, battered abroad. <laughs> battered by abroad. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let's make it happen. So, what would you, what's your final summary for? Uh, better watch out. My final summation is quite a good movie. A little annoying watching that wee prick camping about all the place. Some good original story to it. <laughs> Some good effect. Otherwise, I'd like to have seen more of the violence. Good fun. Seven weird fetus machines out of ten. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'd give it a seven as well. I've had a lot of fun with it. It's one that I would probably watch each year at Christmas now. Uh, I don't know what age I would show kids... It probably probably 14, 15 I think would be safe I suppose you could yeah. probably go younger you're not actually showing a whole lot and the bits that you're not showing younger kids might not quite get it so you'd probably get away with showing them it uh, but definitely if, as far as horror comedies at Christmas go it's up there with In Bruges uh, it's definitely a good one so yeah I'm just glad we got that out of the way so it means that after this top Top 10 episodes, we can then start the year with my pick because my picks are always better. Well, I don't know if that's strictly true. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Team Scott, Team Liam. Well, I think we'll now we can officially announce that the winner of the last Team Scott and the first ever Team Scott and Team Liam poll on Twitter was this guy right here. Team right, no, I see what I think happened here, right, is because not a lot of people knew that the poll was actually even running and I just thought about putting the poll up as a wee, a, like a wee bit of whimsy, so technically it's not really an official beginning, it's just like testing the waters. Oh, so this was a warm-up poll? Yeah. Right, that's fine, Well, I won the warm-up poll. I don't think that was ever going to go any other way, uh, as we've heard the backlash that you've received from thinking In Bruges is a horror comedy. Uh, how, how are you feeling after that? Are you still feeling a wee bit sore, a wee bit raw, a wee bit sad? No, I still stand by it. 
just a bit of fucking... Ah, uh, I'm not looking forward to this. Uh, so now we'll have a wee break and we'll be back with our best of 2018. Top 10 movies that I have watched and loved from 2018 and top 10 movies that Scott might have heard of or might have seen in 2018. Yeah. Hi all you teenage comet zombies. This is Kelly Maroney and you're listening to Scott and Liam versus Evil. So welcome back to Scott and Liam versus Evil episode 83 best of 2018. Here it is. The, the episode I've been dreading since well, since the In Bruges episode, actually, where I'm going to give you my top 10 horrors of 2018, and Scott's going to give you his, and I'm almost positive I can feel it in the water that he's going to find some way to piss me off furiously by adding a movie that's not a horror or a movie it's not he's not seen, or an episode of Coronation Street, because it's not a movie. We'll, we'll see where he goes with that, but... We'll kick it off with my number 10. Are you ready, Scott? I'm ready. How ready? Um, I am quivering with anticipation. I need, I need you to be quivering more. I need, I need to hear it in your voice. I need you to build this up. <laughs> <laughs> Is that quivering or being beavis and butthead? <laughs> you both, you know. <laughs> uh, so in at number 10... For me, is drum roll, da, 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 da. incident in a ghostland, directed by Pascal Logier. It was definitely not how you pronounce his name, but he's the director from Martyrs, the original, the best, not that fucking remake shambles. Uh, incident in a ghostland is a mother of two who inherits a house is confronted with murderous intruders on the first night in their new home and fights for her daughter's lives. 16 years later, when the daughters reunite at the house, things get really strange. This movie is dark as fuck. Like, really dark. Right, I've, I haven't seen it, so I can't uh, comment on it, or hopefully um, I'll, I'll, there won't be any spoilers here, but I do own it, because I bought it, I got it over Christmas, I just haven't got into watching it yet, but after I remember, when, I remember when you did watch it this year, and I remember you saying like almost instantly how great it was, or how great you thought it was, that um, I was like, alright, I really need to see this movie. But I've still not seen it yet, but I do own it, and I am going to watch it as soon as possible. Yeah. It's definitely, it's it's not even a slow burn. It's quite a hard-hitting, grim fucking story. There's there's very little to be happy about. Much like That's what I like. Yeah, it's much like Martyrs in that way, where you come away from it with a kind of a, a bad taste in your mouth, an uneasy feeling in your belly, and you're thinking... Uh, this guy shouldn't be allowed a cameraman because he's fucked in the head but he keeps making yeah. these fucking beautiful movies and Incident in a Ghostland is pride of place at my number 10 very good my number 10 is a movie we've seen at the start of the year and a movie that is now on Netflix and it's a movie called Cold Skin Ooh. I did enjoy this one uh, this is the uh, the movie that we seen at Fright Fest. It is the movie that is set on a, in a lighthouse on a strange kind of island or strange coastal area, where the younger main character is taken over from the older main character who has been in the lighthouse for twenty odd years, and he's learning the ropes of what it takes to work at this lighthouse. And it turns out there's an army of fish people um, that 
attack every so often and he has kidnapped one of the sexy fish people and he's uh, fucking it or raping it for a while and then a young guy <laughs> falls in love with it and uh, I think he bangs it I think in fact he does bang it doesn't he no wait he, he walks does. in and the old guy banging it <laughs> yeah. so you know so that's where my list is at <laughs> no, it was a good movie there was a lot of kind of good imagery in it and it was again it was a fright fest movie so I, as you guys know I've you know I got a soft spot and a boner for Fright Fest movies. I, I hold them up higher than perhaps I would hold them if I didn't watch them in the in that setting. So that's that's it. Cold Skin is my number ten. Cold Skin narrowly missed out on my list. Uh, it was a brilliant year for movies about people fucking humanoid fish. Yeah. An excellent year, and actually my number one movie of the full year would be Shape of Water, and I hummed and hawed about putting it in my list for horror. Because I think it has horror elements. <laughs> and we know that that is allowed. <laughs> uh, I think it's a modern day universal horror, a universal monster movie. Uh, the way the universal monster fucking resurgence should have been done. It's a beautiful movie. That cold skin didn't make it my top 10 because I think obviously Shape of Water did the whole shagging a fish thing way better. But, but I've, not seen, uh, I've not seen Shape of Water yet. Have you not? No, uh, you need to get your finger out because it's a it's a fucking incredible movie. But it's not a horror per se, and there's actually as much as I would love it to be a horror and be number one on my list. I think just out of fairness for everything that I said about In Bruges, I can't put it there. But I just want to give it a mention just because you've talked about Cold Skin. Fair enough. Uh, so my number nine, and this is. I'm so happy about this because Nicolas Cage has finally made himself into a top top 10 of my list. Like, sorry, he's finally made it into a Liam top 10 and that's with his comedy horror, actual comedy horror, Mum and Dad. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I did actually watch this one. It's not on my list. It's not even in my honorary mentions. I forgot all about it. <laughs> How much prep do you put into this fucking thing? A lot. I, I, I looked over this list for a good 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> I've been at it for two weeks, man. I've got like eight spreadsheets <laughs> open. I've got ratings. I've got fucking trailers and that all. And I'm watching the trailers back to back going, is that definitely what I want to put in? Rewatching the movies and you're looking at it for 15 fucking minutes on the toilet. I just, I just, I just googled uh, horror movies 2018 and just went, ah, oh, seen that, seen that, seen that, seen that. Is that ten, right? There we go. <laughs> well, I hope the the fans and the listeners who are going to soon decide if they're Team Liam or Team Scott are listening to this and realise just how little effort the Scott puts in for you guys. <laughs> do you know what? It's like I'll do it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, mum and dad, as uh, a teenage girl and her little brother, must survive a wild 24 hours during which a mass hysteria of unknown origins causes parents to turn violently on their own kids. It's directed by Brian Taylor, written by Brian Taylor, who folk will know from movies like Crank and the series on Netflix, Happy, that we were all kind of raving about at the start of the year. Uh, that kind of explains a lot if he's behind mum and dad actually yeah it's just balls to the wall off its tits it's not trying to be a serious a serious film by any stretch of the imagination it's a it's a comic book horror per se and it's just 
it's just so much fun. Like I think it's one you could put on and it, it has so much rewatch value. Nicolas Cage goes off his fucking head as he always does. Uh, Selma Blair is a babe, as she always is. And it's a it's really a lot of fun. I think it'll appear on a lot of people's list. Uh, but well done Nick Cage because after years and years of picking some real, real dodgy movies to be in, I think you're finally you're finally hitting the nail on the head with the right ones. I think he's he's finally in on the joke. I think he's been in the joke the whole time. It's just he's been too far ahead of the joke for any of us to understand that. Yeah, that's that that's a possibility. <laughs> uh, so yep, my number nine is Mum and Dad. My number nine is a movie I watched very, very recently. It's only just recently been released. And it's a Netflix original. It is one of the most watched net in fact, it is the most watched Netflix original that's at its um, debut week or debut outing or whatever the actual statistics are. <laughs> it stars uh, Sexy Sandra Bullock and it's called Bird Box. It's a good movie. Yeah, I really, 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 really enjoyed it. Now, I know that there's it's, it's akin to A Quiet Place. Now, I don't know if that appears on your list, but I haven't watched that yet. I have only just, again, that's one of the ones I bought like with my Christmas gift cards and I haven't gone into watching it yet. Um, so I don't know if I prefer A Quiet Place to Bird Box, but as it stands, I've seen Bird Box and that's why it's on the list. Now, have you seen it? Uh, a Bird Box or A Quiet Place? Yeah, uh, Bird Box. I've seen both. Yes, I've seen Bird Box. Okay. Right, so when I first posted about this in the group, I said that I had issues with it, but I didn't want to say anything because I thought it was still quite soon and there may be spoilers ahead. So this is your warning if you haven't seen it yet. This, what I'm about to say will have spoilers ahead. My issues with it were that it, it, halfway through the movie, they say about there's people who can look at these beasts and um, to begin with, I thought maybe the beasts just uh, picked some people to look at them and then use those people to make others look, you know, because there's the guy that we see comes in and forces others to open their eyes and look at the whatever it is to then go and kill themselves. But then as it transpires, what it is is people who have mental health issues and they look at the beast, then they become bad as if to say, fuck everybody with mental health issues, it's their fault, they're they're part of the bad they're part of the badness. Thought so, oh, I was like they didn't fully say it like that, but that's what I was thinking when it was like Oh, there's a mental asylum, and they're all escaped, and they're all making everybody look at the the beast. And I thought, why, why the fuck is it that you know, pretty much ninety nine percent of the population will have some form of mental, like not not mental illness, but struggle with their mental health at some point in some different way. You know, it's not all hearing voices or having to be locked up. So I thought that's a bit unfair. Also, I thought they fully shut out the ending. This whole uh, boy girl thing. Um, the wee, and the boy's like, I'll look, and she's like, no, because we, we know why, because you're my son, and I don't give a fuck about the fat lassie's daughter, so the <laughs> wee lassie's looking. That's, everybody's waiting for it, like, the wee lassie look, and for the wee lassie, like, kill us, I'll be jumping out the boat, and be like, wow, that was hard-hitting, man. Now I know what everybody who watched it before I did said why they spent the whole time on the edge of their seat greeting, but when I watched it, and they fully shat the bed and just says, no, we'll just, maybe will look. We've been told that... Um, you can't like the people on the radio say you won't get through the graphic, uh, the the rapids. Somebody has to look, and I'm travelling this boat with two five year olds, and I decide, nah, I'm just going to hide under the covers. <laughs> Bullshit. One of them needs to look. You need to kill one of those wains, and that's where they fully shat it. I also, 
it wasn't a twist as such, but the fact that when they just turn up to the school of the blind, like where people can't see, like it sounds so daft, but it, that's not a twist. But to me, I was like, "Fuck, well done!" Like, so they were, it was so right in front of my face the whole time that it was just too obvious. Like I literally said at one point when I was watching it, and it was like through the blindfolds, or I see them try to walk about, and I thought, "Fuck's sake, man, this is this is." devastating imagine no being able to see that must be terrible and i never thought to myself at any point there is actually blind folk in the world <laughs> i literally just that ah, fuck that's the worst thing ever do you know what i mean until it was like and i was like damn scott you insensitive fucking bastard <laughs> you've heard me opening a can through that and it's only because you're the only person in the fucking world that can do a top 10 and when you get to number nine you spend longer slating in the <laughs> <slating laughs> movie than you do talking about how good it is and why it's in your top 10 you're fucking Clown. <laughs> I've only watched ten movies this year. <laughs> so Bird Box is your number nine. Bird Box doesn't appear. Doesn't appear on my list. I, I enjoyed it. The soundtracks by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So I've got a lot of time for everything that they touch. Uh, but that I, means it's the boy from Nine Inch Nails. Okay. They did the soundtrack for the Social Network and the Vietnam War documentary and. A myriad of other excellent projects. Okay. Uh, but I did think it was quite a slow movie that was then rushed too much at the end. And again, all the, and it's not any fault of the movies, but the way they hyped it, where this is the most terrifying thing you'll ever see, you will die if you watch this. It's all that shit just kind of, it keeps, it doesn't ruin movies for me, but it puts me in the back foot because I'm like, well, I already know it's not going to scare me to death, so. Yeah, there was also a there was also a theory that uh, Netflix were generating their own bird box memes to try and gain uh, exposure. Is that what's the word? Yeah. Exposure. Well, it's fucking worked for them because what was it? Something like seventy five million downloads in the one weekend. Yeah, that's insane. And if that if you think about it, that's seventy five million times whatever we are paying for fucking Netflix now, like seven ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Keep bringing on the fucking good movies because you guys have got all the pennies, man. Or the pennies. Uh, so that was your number nine, yeah? That was my number nine. So my number eight is a movie that Scott and myself have both discussed on podcast Under the Stairs when Duncan was kind enough to give us a screener copy. And it is, and again for the first time ever, will a Puppet Master movie make one of my top tens. But it's Puppet Master The Littlest Reich. This is also a horror comedy. <laughs> This is your number uh This is my eight. number eight, yep. Uh, oh hell wouldn't you, know, wouldn't you know it? This is also my number eight. Is it actually? Let's discuss it together. <laughs> Let's discuss it together, there you go. See, sometimes it all works out and I don't hate you. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, so sometimes. All hell breaks loose when a strange force animates the puppets up for auction at a convention, setting them in a bloody killing spree that's motivated by a, an evil as old as time. It's directed by Sunny Laguna and Tommy Wickland. Uh, it stars a collection of uh, good people, and it was a lot of fun. Like, for a Puppet Master film especially, and just for a comedy horror, this movie was a fucking blast, man. Yeah, I thought there was some there was some ridiculous kills in this, if I remember right. There was, the, I mean, when when have you ever seen a guy pissing his own decapitated head? <laughs> like, it just, you know, or... or 
Oh, oh, what was the other one? Um, the, the fetus, to, to pull a fetus out the, and kill the fetus? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> the fetus rips its own way out of the womb. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then the wee, uh, the wee Hitler baby. Oh, my God. It's just, it, was, it was just bonkers. It was fully off the wall. And I thought it was, it was exactly what the Puppet Master franchise needed because I was, I'm not a massive fan of the kind of originals. I've seen one or two of them. I've not seen them all. I think they're churned out. You know what I mean? I don't... I'm not... All for it, but the uh, that one was just brilliant, really, really, really good. It was for one of the lines that you can also hear in the trailer because we'll probably put the trailers in with all the movies that we've mentioned, where it's asking why the Nazis would build killer puppets, and he's like, "Well, uh, Anne Frank hiding a cupboard, a cupboard, a puppet small enough to find her," and I was like, <laughs> "They fucking went there, man! Like they went all out in just being offensive and being the kind of." taking Puppet Master into like a South Park level where nobody's safe, everybody's going to get abused, so just come along for the ride or don't. And I chose to go along for the ride, so they do, and it's it earns its place there at number eight, definitely. Yeah. So if that's your number eight, have you got anything else to say about it? Uh, nope, that's me. Uh, then we'll go on to my number seven, which is another movie that we both saw at Fright Fest. At the beginning uh-huh. of the year, it was one that, and it wasn't my favourite from the festival, but upon a couple of rewatches, it actually grew on me more and more. And that is Pie Wacket, directed by Adam McDonald. Dude, I do, I did enjoy this movie. We have also talked about this on Podcast Under the Stairs. Uh, and it's about a frustrated, angst-ridden teenage girl awakens something in the woods when she naively performs an occult ritual to evoke a witch to kill her mother. This movie has got more emo band references from my teenage years than you can shake a stick at. And it's about Satan, and it's dark, and it's fucking gritty, and it has an ending that, regardless of how many horror movies you watch, and regardless of... Uh, how you think the movie's going to go that ending will shock you and it will fucking catch you off guard and Piwacket was an excellent watch an excellent watch from the festival and actually just a fucking top pick from the year for uh, being a a, kind of independent film I I don't really know what else the director's done I know he had a kind of preview clip of himself talking before before the Fright Fest shown but he's his movies I'll definitely check out now because this was this was a really good watch and I'd be really keen to see what he would do next. Yeah, I no, I fully agree. I thought it was a it was a really really good movie. I did thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, so we then go on to your number seven. My number seven is another fright fest movie. However, this is one of the ones we didn't see due to the uh, snow that stopped us going on the first day. Uh, I watched this one on Netflix. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought that it was, I thought it looked beautiful. I thought it was well done, and I thought it was just it kept my attention for the whole for the whole movie. And it's uh, the Lodgers. Right. Okay. You watched it yet? I've actually not watched it. Uh, it was on my short list to watch or rewatch uh, things to before I finalised the list, but I never got round to it because there was some other ones that I, I thought I would definitely prefer to watch first. Uh, but tell me more about the Lodgers. Uh, well, it's funny you should say that because I was kind of hoping you wouldn't say that because as soon as I started talking about it, I realised that I don't really remember the story. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and there it is. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> it's, it's these two, uh, these two a brother and sister who live in this old house, and they're they're cursed to live there, um, and for like forever. Uh, but the people who own the house or own the land are wanting to rent off them, but they say well, we can't afford to pay the rent. Their parents have died, so they don't have jobs. Um, and they're like, boy, you, boy, you can't live here. And they say, well, we can't leave because the um, the ghosts are uh, the ghosts are in the house and they're wanting us to, to you know, live here forever, be the lodgers forever. And uh, eventually it just means that there's a big hole in the floor and they jump through it and they're in the water and then they're upside down. And, you know, the wee boys, the boy, the young brothers uh, appear in the arse and the, uh, the lassie is quite hot. So far in your top 10 list we've got one movie that you just want to slate because you don't actually enjoy that much and one movie that you don't remember. <laughs> yep. That's not bad considering we're only on your 6th uh, position or 7th position. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're good this year Scott, you're good. Uh, I'll definitely check it out. Uh, I've seen it appear on a few folks' list. Uh, I know it's available on Netflix UK just now, so uh, I definitely will check it out. Definitely, I recommend it. Despite you're not selling it that well. Despite that. I didn't, I didn't have time to re-watch it, I just remember what I what I enjoyed watching. What do you have time to do? Work. That's just a fucking nonsense, Scott. Nonsense. Here we are, slaving away. Hours. Days. Spreadsheets. Try to get the best for our listeners, and you can't even remember your number seven. I. It's a good film. Watch it, and you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so that brings us to my number six. Another one from Fight Fest that we missed. Seriously, this year let's stop missing movies because I've got a few few a few on my list that we missed from Fight Fest that would have been the fucking best of the festival had we actually watched them there. Yeah. Uh, and this was Elementary, The Blacksmith and the Devil. Have you seen it? I have. I watched it when I was in Nature that last spell, and I, I, it was okay. I, I didn't. Even, I don't think I get what um, what everybody else was was banging on about. Well, let me tell you. Uh, it's about an orphan girl who discovers that the reclusive blacksmith is keeping a demon imprisoned in order to avoid paying his debt to the devil. This is a movie that appeared on Netflix uh, only a few months, a couple of months after it was at Frightfest. It's uh, a Basque film, although Netflix kind of try and shoehorn the English dub version into you, and from what I've read and what I've heard, there's a lot of problems with that, so if you've not watched it, you should go and watch it with Basque audio and English subtitles, uh, the way it was meant to be shown. I fucking loved this movie. I thought it felt kind of a little bit like Pan's Labyrinth. It was a it was a dark fantasy. There was loads of satanic, dark, horrific imagery. The story was interesting, original. And it was actually a lot of fun. There was a lot of wee bits in it that I, that I didn't see it going that way. I thought it would be kind of more adult, heavier, so to speak. But there was a lot of kind of dark humour, especially with the demon making him a little character himself. And I, I fucking loved this film. Like, seriously, it was so good. I enjoy, like, I don't know. I can't even say I enjoyed it because I don't... Maybe I didn't watch it all the way through. But I just like that's why that's why that's why it's not on the list. I know it would annoy you if I put it on the list. 
Did um, you watch the dubbed version or did you watch the subtitles? No, no, I watched it. I watched the subtitles version. Aye. And you yeah. just you weren't keen on it at all. No, not that I wasn't keen on it, but just that. I mean, maybe maybe I watched it like on a shift that I, I couldn't give it hundred percent attention, and I was back and forth like doing stuff and that. Maybe um, so I can't I can't fully remember. I'm gonna give it another chance. You, you can't watch subtitled movies like that. You kind of need to sit and go at it in a in a yeah. because it, it'll never grasp your attention enough to go back and revisit it. I think. Uh, but that's what it was so fucking original and so fun, so clever, and it looked brilliant. The cinematography is shit hot, man. I really wish we had seen it at Fright Fest rather than getting really expensive fucking black pudding and eggs. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right. From yeah. some fucking hipster place in Glasgow that we're not visiting this year. We get a fucking <laughs> frosty cereal bar and we'll be there at every movie because I'm not missing, I'm not missing another movie this year. No. Uh, so that is my number six, Scott. Pray tell, what is your number six, and have you seen my, it? Yeah, my my number six is a movie that is now also on Netflix. Uh, I guested on podcast under the stairs reviewing this movie with Duncan, and it is called The Endless. And it it took me a couple of like two watches to fully get to grips with why and why this movie is brilliant. But it's it's all about. Like time is endless. It's endless time warps and time loops, and there's so much in it from the costumes to the language to um, the the experiences that the, the main characters go through. That, uh, that there's literally that there's 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 a there's potentially a, an entire franchise of stories happening in this like kind of area of all the different time loops that are interacting and, and overlapping each other just because it's so vast and. I think that uh, I think it's just so clever in terms of what they've written and how much they've written into it, and uh, and, and and it's all kind of independent as well because the two directors and the two writers are the are the, also the two main characters, so it's all like small, low budget. Well, I, I don't know what the budget is, but it's like it's an all independent uh, affair, and I think it's I think it was done really really well. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend you see it. It's it's good. It is. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the endless. Uh, I felt at times it was a wee bit too slow, but if you then watch Resolution, the first film, mm-hmm. I think it picks up speed a bit because then some of this kind of side story in it then makes way more sense and you're more gripped. It's definitely a good watch. I, I would also thoroughly recommend it, however it did not make my list. Mm. Uh, so, brief rundown quickly since we're now into the top five. Top 10 for me was Incident in a Ghostland. Top 10 for Scott was Cold Skin. Number 9 for me was Mum and Dad. Number 9 for Scott was Bird Box, a movie which he proceeded to slate. Number 8 for both of us was Puppet Master, The Littlest Rike. Number 7 for me was Pie Wacket. Number 7 for Scott was The Lodgers, available to stream on Netflix just now. Number 6 for me was Erementary, The Blacksmith and the Devil, also available on Netflix to stream. And number 6 for Scott was The Endless, also available on Netflix to stream. How are you feeling going into the top 5? I am pretty comfortable. Are you aroused? Are you have you got a wee chubby going on, or are you just kind of are you quite placid and just just want to roll with the punches here? I'm I'm, I'm rolling with the punches. I'm I'm good. I'm not, I'm I'm enjoying myself. 
Good. So, number five for me, Liam, the best one in the podcast, is another Nicolas Cage film. If you told me at the start of the year that Nicolas Cage was going to feature in my top ten, once I'd have called you a fucking liar. If you said he was going to appear there twice, I would have called you a child rapist and asked you to get out of my room, because that was never going to happen. It fucking did. My number five is Mandy. I haven't seen this yet, so please no spoilers. This is another one that I picked up with my Christmas gift cards, and it is well, is an imminent watch on the horizon. <laughs> you say no spoilers after we've gave spoilers for everything else, which... I know, spoilers for stuff that I've seen, that's fine, I'll spoil everything <laughs> if I've seen it. <laughs> you care about yourself more than you care about the listeners. Everyone, Team Liam. Uh, Mandy <laughs> is directed by Panos Cosmatos. Uh, probably not, again, not how you pronounce his name. Mandy is a fucking acid trip and that's it it's just it's a roller coaster of filmmaking that i have never seen before i got panos's first film it's beyond the black rainbow i've still not watched it yet but i'm really looking forward to it because the way this the way mandy looks the way the way it's scripted the way the story goes the way it kind of nods to old trash cinema is just wild man you won't see anything else like it this year it's especially i watched it first and second time not quite in my own head Uh, maybe i had taken something or had a drink but it was so fucking trippy and it reminded me of the mushrooms i took in thailand years ago and for a movie to do that it's fucking amazing Absolutely, I love Mandy, and it, I know it will feature in lots of people's top lists, especially even some of the ones that we get sent in. Mandy's a Mandy's a front runner for Kena in the top three spot for the listener list as well. I hope I, I like didn't it. give too much away. No, no, no I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to finally watching it. It's one that I think you need to really sit and pay attention to, just to to soak up everything. Because if you look away for two seconds, you miss like fucking the colours that are melting into the screen or you miss just different bits of cinematography if, if you look away or you blink you'll miss something it's a movie to be fully alert for and really soak in the experience yeah so my number five is Mandy and I'm going to actually write to Nicolas Cage and thank him for his uh, his appearance twice in my top ten list because I can't believe it. I can't believe he's finally coming into his own and actually he's been the Nick Cage that we've believed in for we've believed in ever since the episode in a Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so my number five, uh, my number five is Ready Player One. <laughs> Tell me you're fucking kidding on. Why? I've watched this film. I've watched this film like four times. I bet. So I take it you've then forgot the whole uh, top ten horrors of two thousand and eighteen. So because yeah, you've but, it three yeah, times, but, you've put top nine horrors in one kids film that I've seen three times. No, 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 no. It's not a kids film. Is there's how many pop culture references and there's how many horror references is in this? There's actually a whole part in the middle dedicated to a great horror film. Have you seen it? Yes, but it's not a but, horror. It's The Shining. I I know, but it, that does make, that does not make this movie a fucking horror. 
IMDB have Ready Player One listed as action, adventure, sci-fi. It is not a horror. Even sci-fi? If it ref- no, even if it references The Shining, it is not a horror movie. No parts of it are done to scare or to horrify. You are wrong again. You're wrong. Get, get it off your list. Get it off. <laughs> is that actually going to be your number five? No. <laughs> oh, you're a dick. <laughs> Hello, are you now just saying that and now you're going to try and find something else to slip in at number five? Or is this definitely your number five? No, I've got, I've, I've just screenshotted it exactly how it is just now and I'll send you it after we record. I'll show you what it looks like. <laughs> right, right, okay. Uh, my number five is one that you've already had on the list and my number five is Pie Wacket. Yeah. Pie Wacket was, uh, I remember watching it in, uh, in Fright Fest and thinking it was good, but I remember watching it again. I think we, because we were on a Duncan's ep, uh, show and discussed Piwaka, and I watched it again bef- before that episode, and I think uh, he may get a screener for it, I think, if I, if I recall. Yeah, he did. And we got to watch it again, and it was just, the, the movie, it was very clever, it was very, it did, even though the, the, the kids are obviously like, I don't know, 15, 16, and that's not <clears throat> us anymore, excuse me, but it was, um, yeah, you're right, but the whole uh music references, the heartograms written in the bags and stuff, took me right back to high school. Um, and then, just the whole teenage angst, it was done very, very well. There was, I had a couple of issues with it, people remember about how what, what was actually wrong with the friend, that how it, the whole thing could have been mental illness, how it, the, the friends reacting to something through the night then changed my perception. But it all culminates in that last scene where she, where, you know, that, it was, it was just breathtaking even even if I wasn't completely sold on it this movie as a whole when I watched it the first time in the cinema that last scene was just like literally like when it was finished when we got up to talk about it with like the three like the five years that were there it was just like speechless nothing no words of what I've just witnessed yeah it was a very astounding hard-hitting way to finish a movie because it came so from left field and you didn't really expect it to go as gritty and as grim and as fucking dark as it goes. And it was it was definitely a highlight and a special one for that festival. Yeah. Definitely. I'm, I'm way happier with that as your number five than fucking Ready Player One. <laughs> you have no idea. I, well, you could probably hear it. I, I'm loaded with a cold just now, so I sound a little bit downtrodden. I'm not, but you have no idea how fucking angry I was there if you were actually going to include Ready Player One as your number five. <laughs> <laughs> like, I actually think I would have put on clothes just to come to your house and beat you. Uh, although I could have probably came with no clothes on, and it would actually have been a much more embarrassing beating. <laughs> uh, so, my number four, yet another one that we missed from Fright Fest on the Thursday because he. Snowmageddon or Snowpocalypse or whatever the media had called the snow that hit Glasgow uh, was Ghost Stories directed by Andy Nyman and Jeremy Dyson and starring Martin Freeman, Paul Whitehouse the young boy from one of the last series of Black Mirror it's an excellent excellent film uh, skeptical Professor Philip Goodman embarks on a trip to the terrifying after finding a file with details of three unexplained cases of apparitions. Have you seen Ghost Stories yet? I haven't. Again, this is another one I picked up on my Christmas gift cards and it is on like the eminent watch. Uh, so, no spoilers, but it is... Uh, I heard great things 
from everybody who's watched it has said it's like one of the best British horrors in forever. Oh yeah, by far the 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 way it looks, the way it's shot, the way it's scripted as well is excellent. It's it's an anthology movie, but without feeling like an anthology movie. Uh, it has twists and turns, fucking everywhere you look. It has some genuine scenes that are actually quite scary. Uh, so are some terrifying visuals. Such a good movie. It's a real. It's actually just came out in Netflix UK, like at the turn of the year there. So if you've not seen it jump on and watch it and see that British horror is really fucking coming into its own again because it's a, it's an excellent film and again I wish I wish it hadn't snowed and we'd seen it in the big screen because yeah. it's, it's yeah. one that lends itself well to that as well yeah so Scott give me your number four my number four and we are surprise surprise travelling back to Fright Fest once again uh, this one this movie really struck a chord with me. I think the the whole audience at Fright Fest loved it. It is a proper horror comedy. Uh, so honestly, this one is you won't have any problems with me calling this a horror comedy. Uh, it, it had it had the laughs coming out thick and fast through through the show. Uh, it had some it had gory violence. It had a great fun story. It was no no uh, religion or sexual orientation or standing in society was off the off limits and off cards so who was going to get slagged off and you know like made the butt of the jokes in this movie and uh, it just uh, it fully fully hit me the right chord and fright fest have since uh, released it on fright fest presents so i think there's a different studio that's put out but fright fest presents have, have, have kind of got it out picked up in hmv and it's going to be a complete christmas classic in this house for years to come and that is a uh, secret santa which was that's my number four it's near number four. That's way higher on the list than I expected it to be on your list, but I didn't expect it to be as high. These 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 uh, numbers have all changed about like the last couple of days. Like I, I did spend more than fifteen minutes on this list, so I'm quite happy we put and see up there because I do. I thought I think it's brilliant. I know. I know. We we both really enjoy it. I know you did enjoy it more than I did, and it's probably the movie that I've heard you talk about more this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised it's there. For me, it wouldn't be as high, but tell tell everyone more about Secret Santa and make them go buy it because fucking support cinema, man. Go and buy the DVD. I tell you about it, but then I'll end up spoiling it and then you'll be like, oh, well, I'm not going to watch it because I've just said it all spoiled. Basically, the... You can talk about a movie without spoiling it, Scott. <laughs> 83 yeah, episodes, you think you would have fucking realised that? <laughs> the, it's, the premise is uh, uh, a family Christmas dinner. Um, the, the kind of patriarch and matriarch of this family have split up but they've got together again for this Christmas so there's a bit of tension and arguments there um, the mum is desperate for this perfect family Christmas, she's hired uh, caterers and all the rest to to cook the dinner and serve the dinner and someone has spiked the punch with some I don't know if it's like a, if it's like some kind of mind altering drug or a truth serum or, or a rage something or other or if it's I can't, don't know exactly what it is um but basically, they, they, they just, the arguments creep up and creep up, and eventually uh, the dad stabs the brother-in-law in the neck with a fork, and then from then on, it is just balls to the wall, gore, practical effects, um, hilarious dialogue, brilliant lines, and then some, some proper... The, a man uh, plays about with a decapitated head in ways that you just have to witness to, uh, <laughs> to believe. 
If you go back to the Fright Fest 2018 episode, you'll hear just what we both thought is Secret Santa and how Scott has got a full-on fucking rager for it. Yeah, definitely. Like, a wee bit of pre-cum in that, just at the thought <laughs> of it. That's what's in the punch. <laughs> That's a what? That's what's in the punch. <laughs> oh, imagine that film. <laughs> uh, so, that is your number four. My number four. So, here we are, down to the final three, and I've only wanted to punch you like three times. <laughs> Going quite well. Yeah. Uh, so, my number three is a movie that we've talked about in the podcast. After the first watch, I was not a fan of it. I was not keen on the way the story ended. Not going to spoil it because it's quite a big movie. Uh, but I watched it again. I gave it the benefit of the doubt and watched it with new eyes a few days later. And it totally transformed the movie. I, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. My top three this year has kind of changed constantly for the past two weeks. But I'm now happy at putting this in third place and that movie is Hereditary. What, the third place? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's directed by Ari Aster. It stars Tony Collette, who I think if we were doing a top ten horror actresses, Tony Collette would be number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Because yeah. she was outstanding in this film. The, the the way it turns so violently at the end threw me off on first watch, but when you actually stop letting the fucking hype in the media and non-mainstream or sorry mainstream horror fans when you stop listening to them and their opinions of it and actually watch it yourself and for what it is Hereditary is a beautiful well executed movie that I'm surprised I've, I've settled at number 3 and not higher I think a lot of other people will, will have it at number 1 and 2 I think it will be one of the top films of the year because it's so fucking good but what, what else is it to say about Hereditary that we've not already said in the last the, a couple of episodes ago yeah exactly we've, we've said it all and if you still haven't seen it and you haven't listened to the episode so you're avoiding the spoilers then go and see it like go and watch it because I don't know what you're waiting on yeah it's one that like you should probably just buy just buy it on Blu-ray because you're going to want to own it because it's a movie you're going to want to revisit every year because as far as horror goes and if, if this is the way horror's moving forward with more films like this fucking bring it on because it's clever it's horrifying it's terrifying and it stays with you for days it stayed with me for a movie that I didn't even enjoy it stayed with me long enough to make me actually want to watch it again and get a whole fucking fresh approach from it not, um, not, not many movies do that so hereditary fucking well done you deserve you deserve that third spot Congratulations. My number three is different. My number three is a, a movie that I see in the cinema. Now, quite often, movies will come out and I'll think, oh, I want to see it in the cinema, and then I won't get around to it for whatever reason. Other times, movies are so big and such a big deal that I have to go, like, I literally put it in a high priority and make sure I go on the first day off and the first chance I get I'm, I'm going and we're going to see it and uh, this is one of those one of the, the last movies that, that done that to me was It 
and that was because the because, well because it was because it was it obviously and because the marketing campaign leading up to that the adverts that were coming on every single day just even just telling you six days five days I was like this is huge and I had to go and see it well this movie was such a big deal one of the I mean I'm not going to start getting into like my, my horror history because I'll make an arse of myself I'm not you I'm not Duncan certainly and he's got like a total recall of all history of, of, of knowledge of fucking movies but this is one of the, the biggest slashers of all time this is one of the guys that people know and this is cutting out all the bullshit that came through all the crappy sequels or well not crappy sequels all the sequels and going right back to the start and it made a direct sequel to Halloween and it's coming in at number 3 it's coming in at number 3 and I'll tell you why because I didn't think it was as good as it could have been but I understand how big it is and how big a deal it is and how big a deal it is to horror films in general because of the success of that in the cinema again inspires studios to pump money in and make new horrors same way like we've talked about with Bird Box and Netflix these studios are pumping money at horrors and we're getting some of the best movies coming out that we've seen in a, in a long time and um Halloween was in there, it was such a big event, it was such a big deal, and I I did enjoy it, I thought there was a couple of things in it that I wasn't fully sure on, and they, they, they kind of shoehorned a, of, uh, a lot of, um, you know, current hot topics in there, you know, hashtag me too, but uh, <laughs> not that they shouldn't, but it's just like, you know, sometimes when Michael Myers is kind of about stabbing folk, you don't need the side story of the wee boy, like, trying to push yourself on the wheel assay, you're like, save that for a, an indie drama, you know, <laughs> right. you know, I start talking and then I realise that I'm incriminating myself, obviously the, the, all these, all these, you know, things need uh, awareness and put into movies, but basically, uh, Halloween was fantastic and it, again, it wasn't as good as I thought it could have been, but it is also good enough to be my number three of, of the year. The only thing you're incriminating yourself in, uh, in is a uh, illegal use of the, the list because I take it to be number three it's because it's better than the seven that have came before it so you've enjoyed Halloween more than you enjoyed the, the first seven movies you've just mentioned mm. yeah lesson one list making if you're doing a top ten of the year you put the <laughs> movies that you have enjoyed most <laughs> To put Halloween at number three and then talk about how it's good, but it's not as good as it could have been, and I might not have enjoyed it more than my my number nine on the list, defeats the point of a fucking list. <laughs> so, I'll ask again, Scott, do you enjoy Halloween more than you enjoyed the first seven movies in your list? Yes, good. That means it deserves its place there at number three. Uh, how? Wh- what were you... What's your stance on the original Halloween franchise? Is it one of your favourite franchises or do you prefer like Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th? Or anything like that? I have not seen a lot of the Friday the 13th, if I'm honest with you. I watched the original Halloween this year in prep before going to the cinema to see the new one. And the original, it... I don't hold nostalgia for it and it didn't really hold up all that well. I mean, I love it. I put it on. It's a background movie at Halloween. The the theme tune, the, the imagery, the fact that it just looks like the perfect place for actual Halloween for October. It's like all the colours are perfect and all the rest of it. But in terms of the movie, in terms of scare, like scare factors and all the rest of it, no, it's not, it's, not, it's not a kind of good horror movie. In terms of the big 
big, uh, you know, the main kind of killers and franchise movies for horrors. Freddy did it for me. Certainly the earlier Freddy's when I was younger. Some of his sequels are absolute gash and bollocks as well, but... Um, Everything you just said there about the original Halloween was blasphemous and wrong, but we'll let that slide for another episode. <laughs> uh, I, I'm like, I love the original Halloween. I love, to be honest, the majority of that franchise, even uh, the one with Paul Rudd. I, I like, I like the one with Paul Rudd. Like it's, it's a good movie. Uh, I think it's unfairly slated. Yeah. But with the new Halloween, although it was a good a good movie and had some fun scenes. There was it left a wee bit to be desired for me. Uh, I enjoyed it. I just don't. For me, it wasn't in the top ten at all. But I don't know if that's just also because I hold the original in such high regard that I can't help but compare it, even though I know I shouldn't and I I don't want to. There's still a thing at the back of my brain is thinking ah it was good, but it's not quite as good as the original. Very few movies are. So, I can see why it's at your number yeah. three, eh, and like as in somebody that knows how to work a list, I could see why it would be on your number three. But and maybe maybe uh, I'd maybe maybe put it at number seven and bump the rest of them all up one. Can I do that? No. It's about fucking late now. <laughs> right, okay. Do, do, just, right, do leave, you want do no, you want just, to bump it to your no, number seven? Just leave where it is. You can bump it to your number seven if you want. It just means I've just got to change some things around. Do you want to, do you want to rearrange your list? Because uh, there's no time better than when we're actually recording <laughs> the fucking episode about the lists <laughs> than to change it as we're talking. Um, yes, change it. Change it. So you want to put that in at your number seven? Yep. So that's it's going in after Puppet Master. Yes. And then everything else bumps up one. Bump it up one. Okay, it's just so I can then do it for the spreadsheet. So then your number three is Secret Santa. Number three is Secret Santa. Right, see from now, you have 365 days to start watching 2019 <laughs> horror movies and also go to fucking college or just some sort of after school club and learn how to make lists and why you should put things before other things on a list. I just thought because it was such a big deal, you know, that should... Yeah. It's fine, but it's your top ten. It's not <laughs> top ten movies that you think are a big deal that you should put in your list. Right, okay. I am happy with my next two. Definitely. Oh, oh good. <laughs> good, that means you've seen them, so <laughs> we're, we're fucking one step ahead. Uh, so, my number two is, again, from Fright Fest. is one that, sadly, you, you had to miss at Fright Fest. Uh, I thought it was actually going to be one of my favourite of the year, along with Shape of Water, before I decided to bump that out for not being horror. Uh, and it's Tigers Are Not Afraid. It was directed by Isa Lopez, who was there at Fright Fest talking about it. And it's a dark fairy tale about a gang of five children trying to survive the horrific violence of the cartels and the ghosts created every day by the drug war. This film was, like, to say it was beautiful is a bit an understatement. It was so hard hitting and there was multiple times I nearly cried and I don't like being made to cry. Like I, I don't like sitting on the verge of tears because I, I feel that I am stronger than that and that I don't need to do that. So when movies do that to me, it's so fucking hard hitting for me that 
and I can't shake it. I can't go over it. And Tigers are not afraid is one that stuck with me for weeks. Like the the kids played it so well, and it's actually kids from the kind of drug ravaged the uh, fucking towns that they used for the movie, and everything that happened in it. Then just there was also a slice of reality in it, which was so heavy, but amazing at the same time. Again, I bring up Pan's Labyrinth because it had a lot of similarities to that, where reality and fantasy are kind of crossing over and amongst all this fucking real life dread and it was just such a good movie. I think it's still doing the festival circuit so I don't know when it'll be available for people who haven't been lucky enough to see it at a festival but hopefully it'll get a wide release soon because more people need to see Tigers Are Not Afraid. It's outstanding. Hi, uh, I was, I'm so gutted that I missed um, Tigers Not Afraid. It was, I was still the one, one of the ones that I'm still desperate to see even after like nearly a year's passed since last Fright Fest and I've just seen how heard how great it is. However, it is interesting you called it a a dark uh, fairy tale. I believe uh, I described something else as a dark fairy tale the other week there, but um, we won't go into that. Um, <laughs> that movie, it's on. I've got a wee um, a list of movies that I didn't get to watch before recording, and uh, that was that was one of them. I'll just in fact I'll read it. Pretty much the, the ones I've said that I pretty much bought over Christmas: uh, Quiet Place, Mandy, Unseen, Ghost Stories, and Tigers Not Afraid all were on my list to try and watch before recording but I never got around to it so they potentially could have made it on the list which is a good thing because you've learned not to put movies that you haven't really <laughs> seen on your list yeah 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 <laughs> uh, but no Tigers Are Not Afraid is a, a, a dark a dark gothic fantasy but on IMDB it's also listed as horror because there are far more horrific elements to it than in Bruges had <laughs> okay uh, uh, so it's definitely, definitely a horror, and I say it's just even hearing uh, Isa Lopez talk after it, it was just the fact that this shit goes on, and you then see how the kids are affected, and then how the kids manage to deal with it by escaping into their own kind of dreaming imagination is is so good. And it's, it's a kind of it's a really it's a hard film to describe. I, I would recommend everyone. As soon as, as soon as it's available to you, watch it. And I'd love to revisit it as well to see if my love for it still holds up after one watch, but I'm sure it will. Yeah. My number two, once again, I go back to Fright Fest. Now that's, Fright Fest has really hit it out of the park in 2018 because it seems to have featured quite a lot in both our lists. Yep. Um, this movie is on uh, Netflix as well. You can watch this if you haven't already. Uh, we have talked about this probably in our first episode. episode. Um, this is a movie that when it was finished, it posed a lot of questions and it finished with an end scene that had the whole uh, audience who were starting to get up and leave just turn around and stare at the screen and I thought, I felt as if I had a good idea of what that was supposed to be and, uh, and it, this movie is, um, it, it, this movie is The Ravenous. It's the French zombie film and I believe and I've watched this twice because it is on Netflix. I watched it pretty much straight away as soon as it came on again. And I, firm- I believe the zombies did run in this movie. Now, that does annoy me most of the time. But this movie, I just thought, done it very, very well. I thought they captured the essence of <clears throat> survival in like an end-of-the-world situation. The fact that meeting these different characters and trying to suss them out and figure out if you can trust them, if they can trust you. And then um, just how it goes through it. And basically, like, a zombie film basically is 
a group of survivors that will get whittled down to one or two, and then, you know, are they going to survive? That is the premise of pretty much every zombie film or TV show you've ever watched, and that is, there's nothing different here, but it is just done well, and I enjoyed it. So much so it's my number mm. two. I'm surprised at how high that is. Yeah, I like zombie films. Mm. You do? You don't talk about them uh, as much as you think. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Fuck, of course you do. <laughs> it was. It was a really good film. I enjoyed that as well. Uh, but I don't think it did a whole lot different to what all the other zombie films do. Uh, as much as it was fucking... There was some gritty stuff in it and even some scenes of comedy in it. I just don't think it was too different. For me, I don't think it did... I, I don't like zombie films as much. Part... Of that is just to really like kind of stick it up you. Uh, so to be a zombie film that I really want to rewatch again and again, I think you've got to do something vastly different. And it, this one didn't do it for me. But That's fair enough. I'm glad. I'm glad we still got to number two, and it's one you've seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my number one. Then, do you want to do the rundown that you're going to do? Oh yeah. See, I am all over the place. It's the cold. Yeah. It's the cold of the man flu. I am fucking all over the place, man. Uh, so, uh, my will we do 10, 10, 9, 9, or will we give my 10 to 2 and then your 10 to 2? Give uh, That's the best way to do this. Do do my 10 to 2 and then your 10 to 2 because your number one's coming first. Okay, right. So, in fact, do, do your 10 to 2 first and then do my 10 to 2 because I'll do my number one first. Right, okay. Alright. As you can, as you can see, uh, or as you can hear, <laughs> listeners, this is heavily scripted and me and Scott don't just make this up as we go along. <laughs> so, while I read yours, why read yours then or do you want me to, uh, do you want to read it? No, you can you can read them. Because you yeah, may have a different right. version. I don't know if I changed them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so I read mine first. Read yours first. <laughs> so, my number 10 is Incident in a Ghostland. Number 9, Mum and Dad. Number eight, Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Number seven is Pie Wacket. Number six, Erementari, The Blacksmith and the Devil. Number five is Mandy. Number four is Ghost Stories. Number three is Hereditary. And number two is Tigers Are Not Afraid. Scott's list is number ten, Cold Skin. Number nine, Bird Box. Number eight, Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Number seven, Halloween. Number six, The Lodgers. Number five is The Endless. Number four was Ready Player One, or Pie Wacket. <laughs> Number three is Secret Santa. Number two is The Ravenous. And in at number one on Scott's top ten of 2018 is, drumroll please, I'll put in a drum roll right about now. Hereditary. Oh, that's why that's I went first <laughs> because uh, you've already put it in your list. So I thought I will go first and get out because we've already talked about a bit already. This movie fucking blew me away. I didn't get to see it in the cinema. I kind of the way that it happened for me. I'm kind of happy that that's the way it went because a, a bad cinema audience could have ruined this movie for me. I seen it, but then on my own in the pitch black, middle of the night, full attention. And it just it, it blew me away from being a great story, a great acted, completely did not see some of the twists coming, and then some of the, the shocking imagery and some of the scares, and just 
you know the whole thing and it's never ever left me that film still sits with me and it's not only my number one for 2018 it is very high if not the top spot of my top horror of all time really yeah that's not just something you've just said just to it's maybe something it is is something i've just said but I'd need to. I've not. I mean, see, a, a top a top ten list of all time. That's something that I would need to take a lot more time over than just. <laughs> yeah, maybe a full half hour. So, but I think yeah, I think it would be up pretty high. Yeah, uh, it could be. It could be. It's a it's a outstanding film, and exactly like you said there, almost perfectly acted, almost perfectly scripted, almost perfectly shot. The the twists and turns, the fucking imagery. Yeah, hereditary is a fucking shining light for horror in 2018. It's an incredible film. Yep. Uh, we should maybe look into, once you learn how lists work, we'll actually look into doing like a top 10 of all time. Because I've never really thought about it. Yeah. But you actually have to watch them. So why don't we say that this time next year we'll do a top 10 of all time. So all you've time. got a full year. Yeah, you've got a full year to do it. Right, I'll start thinking about it just now. <laughs> uh, so, my number one, and it's one that, to be brutally honest, I kind of missed when it came out through the year. Uh, I didn't go see it in the cinema. I just, I don't know why. I just dragged my feet on it. I don't know if it's because of the hype, because of some of the things I was reading. I just wasn't too fussed. I watched it for the first time a few days ago when just before I finalised my list and unlike Tigers Are Not Afraid where it made my lip quiver and it made my eyes water a wee bit this movie full on made me cry like a fucking baby and I don't like crying and this story got me this hit me fucking hard and this movie is a quiet place oh really? it is outstanding by far like as soon as I finished it for, I say for a couple of weeks I've been kind of humming and hawing and moving around my last three like is it Tigers are not afraid will it be Shape of Water will it be Hereditary not too sure as soon as I finished A Quiet Place as soon as I took that disc out the fucking player I was like that's number one hands down that's my number one wow that's that, yeah. I wasn't sure what you were going to say but I wasn't I didn't even think of that one uh, so um, that makes me look forward to actually watching it uh, the Everything about right. I love John Krasinski from The American Office. Yeah. I love his character. I sometimes forget that he is actually a real person. So I didn't realise that he also directed this. I didn't realise that him and Emily Blunt are married in real life until after I watched it. And it just, like, you can see that it's a real relationship. The, the, the story, the family, through the. I'm not giving any spoilers away because. If you've not seen it, fucking do yourself a favour and go watch it. I want you to watch it, like, know nothing. It's everything about it, the, the, the sound design, the fact that for almost an hour and a half, the movie's silent and you are on the edge of your seat and you are feeling every single thing that this family's feeling. You're on the ride with them and it is heart-wrenching. It's terrifying. It's tense. It's just, it's a movie, it fucking hit all the marks for me and I'm so gutted that I took so long to actually see it just because of all the fucking hype. I was just uh, like, uh, I'll, I'll get around to it when I get around to it. 
I didn't even think it would feature in a top ten. So I, did, I was like, I, I don't really, I don't really care. I, I've not got much time for it until I watched it, and I was like, oh my god, this could the way you feel about Hereditary, mm-hmm. this could be up there. Is not even in my top ten horrors of all time. This could be if I had to say it is in my top ten of movies of all time. I loved A Quiet Place. Top ten movies of all time. Top ten movies of all time. Wow. Just everything about it just got me. Uh, for that hour and a half, I wasn't in the mind cave watching it. I was with this family. I was so engrossed in it. And I say for me to sit and bubble like a fucking baby, this fictional family is... John Kaczynski is one of fucking watch as a director. This is his first ever horror film, to be honest. He's not directed many films at all. I think it's like one, maybe two, in a couple of episodes of The Office. This is... I can't say enough good words about A Quiet Place, but by far it deserves to be number one. It's my number one by a long shot. Yeah. I am... I'm... 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 I'm uh, pleased... I'm happy. It makes me honestly. It makes me look forward to watching this movie. Just do me a favour and watch it on the TV. Lights out. Sound turned right up. Don't watch it on the iPad. Don't watch it on a phone. Don't watch it on your fucking Game Boy. Just watch it as big as you can go and as loud as you can go. Right. Okay. So that was the top tens. I'll give a full rundown again. Uh, Scott number ten is called Skin. Number nine is Bird Box. Available on Netflix, both of them. Number uh, seven is nope. Number eight is Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Number seven is Halloween. Number six is The Lodgers. Number five is The Endless. Number four is Pie Wacket or Ready Player One if you want to hate Scott. Number three is Secret Santa. Number two is The Ravenous, and number one is Hereditary. My Top 10 is 10, Incident in a Ghostland. Number 9, Mum and Dad. Number 8, Puppet Master, The Littlest Rake. Number 7, Pie Wacket. Number 6, Erementari, The Blacksmith and the Devil. Number 5, Mandate. Number 4, Ghost Stories. Number 3, Hereditary. Number 2, Tigers Are Not Afraid. And in at number 1, one of the most beautiful, haunting, excellent horrors with an incredible soundtrack that you have ever seen, in my humble opinion, is John Krasinski's A Quiet Place. That went smoother than last year. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. I was pleased with slightly. that. Slightly. So, have you, have you got some movies now that you want to go and hurry up and watch? Yeah, as I said, that list of movies that I didn't get to watch is right there. The Strangers Pray at Night is also in the list, which is on Netflix just now, but I'm not expecting to be blown away by that movie, but... Um, yeah, all the rest of them are there. Quiet Place, Mandate, Unseen, Ghost Stories and Tigers Are Not Afraid. I actually enjoyed The Strangers Pretty Night. I yeah. thought it was aye, quite quite fun. It's it's kind of daft. Uh, some of the acting's a bit dodgy on it, but as an overall movie, I, I think you quite like it. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, good, so that's our that's our top tens. That's that's us. That's us done for this year. We'll probably not put out <laughs> any more episodes because we'll nah. rubbish at it. <laughs> Uh, we still have the listener top 10 to go we've asked uh, all the Facebook group members and on Instagram and on Twitter and actually I think on audio last time to send us your top 10s so we can 
put it through an accumulative list and have the Scotland versus Evil top 10 listener list. So uh, that'll come up after this. What up, fuckers? It's Bam Margera here from Jackass and Viva La Bam, and you are listening to Scott and Liam versus Evil. And now we have the cumulative listener slash friend of the podcast list, uh, their top 10. Everybody that actually listens to the show, unlike Scott, knows how to work a list. You know what? How... <laughs> what were you saying? No, it doesn't matter. You go, you go ahead. <laughs> so they know how to actually list things, which is good. Better than some hosts of this podcast. So we had quite a, quite a few folks sending it in. We've also added myself and Scott's top 10 to the list. And then we've worked out where if you rated the movie at number 1, it gets 10 points. If you rated it at number 2, it gets 9 points. And so on and so forth until 10th place gets 1 point. Then add up all that tally and we get the cumulative top 10. It's a very fancy, high-tech super advanced spreadsheet that I've done and I'm quite impressed with it and hopefully this works. I feel, do you know what I feel like? I feel like uh, that Family Guy episode where it's uh, Matt Damon and he writes the script to Goodwill Hunting and uh, Ben Affleck's lying on the couch and goes, hey, can you put my name on there? <laughs> so yeah, we've, we've, put, <laughs> we've put together this uh, really high-tech spreadsheet and uh, I hope you're all uh, pleased with the efforts that's been in it. <laughs> Is that not how you feel about every episode of podcast <laughs> 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 Uh, so we want to thank everybody that wrote in a letter a letter? No, nobody wrote in a letter that's just nonsense what year are you in? Uh, 1985 yeah fuck off yeah, what age were you in 1985 like fucking 32 zero yeah, fucking dickwad <laughs> so everybody that sent in a list either by text by email by message we really appreciate it what we'll do is when this episode drops I'll put up each person's list and tag them in it and then everyone can see what your actual top 10 was as opposed to just the cumulative top 10 but this episode's ran on for long enough so let's get to it are you excited Scott? I am excited yes so in at number 10 in the Scott and Lee vs Evil Friend listener list we have Elementary the Blacksmith and the Devil with 19 points okay Happy with that? Yeah, that's fair enough. Doesn't matter if you're not, because you can't fucking change it. And <laughs> uh, at number nine, also with 19 points, except one more person had it on their list. So if it was if it was a draw with points, if more people had it, then I put that above. That's not an official rule. That's just what I've what I have done, and I feel that that's that you make no you, you make the rules, man. That's fine. Well, if I make the rules, then fuck this list. I'm just going to just make it exact same as my list. Uh, so, number nine, also with 19 points, is Halloween. Okay. You'll be happy with that. Yeah. In uh, at number eight, with 20 points, so narrowly missing the top, the, the nine and ten spot. I, can't, I don't even know how fucking that's up now. I'm so disappointed they missed the nine and ten spot. <laughs> <laughs> and at number eight is Netflix original Apostle, which okay. that didn't appear on any of lists, did it? Oh, because it's shite. <laughs> there you go, listeners. It's shite. So uh, it's ten. Elementary, Blacksmith and the Devil. Number nine, Halloween. 
8 Apostle 7 I'm happy with this is Puppet Master the littlest Reich mm-hmm. just shows that our listeners are actually good people Scott <laughs> it does that yes and also Closet Nazis I will yeah there's quite a lot of them in <laughs> uh, at number 6 with 24 points this sounds like not a lot of people put it on the list I swear to god they did there was at least 10 people in uh, at number six is Revenge, a movie that also didn't appear on either of our lists. No, no, I didn't. I hadn't even seen it. I forgot all about that film. It's good. There's like, a lot of ass shots, but then there's a lot of empowering women shots at the end of it. Hey, women can have be empowered and have hot asses. I'm not against that. Don't say don't say they need to be empowered or have hot asses. You can have both. I'm just talking about the way the movie was filmed. I'm not talking about what I actually think about women's asses and their empowerment. Yeah. Okay. Don't you try and fucking turn this on but just, no, just, just making sure that everybody knows where we stand on hot asses. <laughs> and at number five, and again we'll like this, with 31 points, is Pie Wacket. Nice, nice. And at number four, also with 31 points, but it appeared on one more list than Pie Wacket, was Ghost Stories. Right. Uh, you've not got a whole lot of input here. No, well, yeah, no, but like, I mean, a lot of these things that are put, coming up on this list are not the ones that were on my list as such. So, well, Halloween Puppet Master and Piwacket were on my list, but uh, I'm like, there was other films that better make it on the list, and if they don't, then I won't be very happy. But I did. <coughs> uh, <coughs> by the time this episode comes out, everybody will know that I've watched Ghost Stories, and I was very underwhelmed. So, well, just just wait because what's about to come might also upset you. <laughs> so that was number four with Ghost Stories. Number three, which I'm quite upset about because it should be fucking well higher, with fifty-one points. The top three kind of ran away with it. It was kind of unanimous. Everyone almost had these in their list. Right. Uh, number three was my number one. Uh, it's a quiet place. Well, I still actually see Quiet Place, and but the fact that it comes up so high in your list and high in everybody else's list, I'm, I'm hoping for good things. However, if two spot, if number one isn't what should be number one, in fact, you've heard my list already, haven't you? If number one isn't the same as my number one, he's raw. I'm just got to give up. And if number two is a movie that I've since watched last night and fucking put me to sleep, he's all fucking tripping on whatever the hell the director was tripping on when he made that film. Well. In at number two, with 59 points, which was actually at number one until we received a late submission list last night, like a really late submission list, Martin Trotter, this is, this is your fault, and I, do you know what, I'm blaming you because I wish the list hadn't came through just to see Scott's reaction, but I also love you because you sent a list, so it's fine. Uh, in at number two, with 59 points, could have been number one, but it's not number one. It's Scott's favourite, Mandy. And you know, I was ready <coughs> to drop this headset and just fucking bail out on this completely if you said that if it went the way that it was apparently it was supposed to go. I watched Mandy last night, guys, and honestly, like, I sat try- struggling to stay awake. That's like two hours of fucking nothing and two wee clips of all right. It's, there was it really was not, nothing at all. How there was it? You did say to me when you had watched Mandy that like the, you watched it twice when you were like not in sound mind, like using different sto- and- Yeah, so I can understand like that whole scene where the uh, where the cults talking to them and he, there's a, it cuts to the main cult leader just like straight up 
not blinking, staring at the screen, giving his spiel when everyone else goes quiet. I thought that's quite mesmerising. That's kind of alright. But I thought, I'm still no fucking getting in for this movie at all. And then when eventually Nicolas Cage does have a part in it, the second half in the movie, which is still an hour of a movie, so it's still a fair chunk, I thought it was going to be properly like running about chopping fuck up with chainsaws, and I was like, this is just like kind of tame from what I was expecting. Lena, I actually thought the same. Uh, I made her watch it a few nights ago when she was finalising her list, which is included in all this, and she gave up about half an hour in and just said it was boring, it was slow, yeah. she wasn't keen on it, and I'd yeah. actually made her stoned before it, so turns out the drugs don't work either for some <laughs> people. <laughs> uh, so, in at number one, which you'll be very surprised at, is... Dark Web Unfriended, nah, I'm only joking. Uh, <laughs> it's hereditary with thank. 82 points. Thank fuck. Fucking thank praise Satan that that happened because see if you bastards did not put hereditary at number one for the best horror film of 2018, I was like, I, I would, I'd be lost. You know, I know that sometimes my, my reactions to movies are completely different to what people expect or what the majority say, but hereditary was what by far the best movie of 2018, so I'm glad that it made yeah. the top spot. It's actually 72 points. I've added 10 on there, but just but I'm actually looking at the, the numbers 7 and 2, and I just read it as 82 because uh, it was Martin Trotter's list and Lena's list, not including Mandy at all, that then resulted in Mandy not being number one. Before that, Mandy was actually looking like it was definitely going to be at that number one spot in the list. I'd quit, I'd quit, so I'm happy that didn't happen. A few folk had it at their number one spot. A couple. And a few folk are fucking tripping. Some <laughs> a few folk tell me what they're smoking. <laughs> well, Matt Wood and Duncan. <laughs> tell me what you're smoking. Uh, Aye, well, I already, already put, I already put it in the, the secret, uh, secret sexy podcast chat we, we've got with Duncan and Barry, and uh, Duncan nearly fell out of me because I said Mandy was shite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Matt Jones and Kate Pollock had it at their number two spot. <sighs> really, you guys? Yep. Oh, well. You know what? Each to, each to their own. Each to their own. So, the cumulative Scotland versus evil friend, listener, buddy list is 10, Elementary, the blacksmith and the devil, 9, Halloween, 8, Apostle, 7, Puppet Master, the littlest Reich, 6, Revenge, 5, Pie Wacket, 4, Ghost Stories, 3, A Quiet Place, 2, Mandy and 1, Hereditary. As I said, I would put I'll put up everyone's actual individual top tens and their honourable mentions. And in the case of Chris Holt, your top four or whatever it was you sent me bullshit movies. It, it was it was an awful list, Chris. You know it was awful. <laughs> there was actually movies he mentioned that nobody else had mentioned. I didn't even put in the list because I thought nobody else is going to vote for that. <laughs> so, thanks everyone for sending it. I really appreciate it. It's good to actually hear what you guys are all watching and see how similar it is to our list. Obviously, with the exception of Bandy for Scott, a lot of the lists is quite similar. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to see what uh, 2019's lists uh, comprise of starting very soon with uh, Fright Fest. That's me rubbing my hands. If you can hear that noise, not rubbing my dick. Although I might do that. Do as well. <laughs> you know, if the past two years or anything go by, Fright Fest will make up your entire top ten because you. <laughs> Movies. Yeah, well, I've watched the whole of uh, season 13 of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We could do a podcast about that if you want. We should. I'm only on episode 5, I think. It's, it's a particular harassment one. 
Uh, no, I've just finished the sexual harassment. That was fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we should actually do it. Scotland yeah. versus Philadelphia. Yeah. Just make it political. Just like really slate the state of Philadelphia and sometimes talk about the the show. Maybe. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's it's also, the top ten. Yeah, it's also the city of Philadelphia, but we need to get that right if we're going to slate them. So is Philadelphia not a state? No. Uh. Pennsylvania. Ah, there you go. I, for, I always forget you're actually American. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, can never, I can never remember, like, what day you're Spanish, what day you're American. Or what day you're just a, just a fucking Glasgow. I went, to, I went to, before before we get back to the uh, regular scheduled programming, I went to an overnight uh, last weekend in, uh, in the bar across the road. We went for dinner and we went for a few drinks and having a great time talking to the bar staff and that. And one of the lassies in there was from Texas and Mexico at the same time. Like, our family, like, our dad was from Texas and our mum was from Mexico. And Lauren's like, he would leave me for you right now if you said I. <laughs> and then I, drunk, then I drunkenly tried to tell him my recipe for tacos and it just didn't come out right. <laughs> <laughs> and on that racist note, let's go back to regular scheduled programming. It's like, just to like say hi, my name is, um, you're listening to Scott and Liam versus Evil. Say that again. It's just introduce yourself, you're listening uh-huh. to Scott and Liam versus Scott Evil. and William versus Evil. Liam, Scott and Liam. Scott and William. William, like L I A M. Am I not saying that? William? William. William? William. 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 Um, no, it's like w- just like. I-L- no, L I A M. Yeah. Liam! <laughs> Sorry, I am jet lagged. These lights are not helping. Okay. Um, I thought you were spelling out the end of William. That's Okay, I got it now. Okay, ready? Yes. Hello, this is Amanda Fuller, and you are listening to Scott and Liam versus Evil. So, that was our best of 2018 list. What a fucking year for horror. It has been a fantastic year for horror, and I like I cannot wait for... I've posted two, um, recently two lists up in the group of upcoming horrors for this year, and you know pretty much both those lists are jam-packed full of amazing movies, and those are only the big movies that you know, that people are known that are coming out, the, the kind of bigger studios, you know, the bigger studios that are getting some marketing behind them, we know these movies are coming out. Next week, uh, the the lineup for Fright Fest is going to be uh, announced for Fright Fest Glasgow, that's going to announce on the 10th of January, um, and I just cannot wait to start checking out the trailers for these movies that we're going to see there, because if it's anything like last year's, it's going to knock it out of the park again. Yeah. It's, it's exciting times, man. Exciting times. Truly is. So, yeah, that's us now kicking off 2019 with a little look back at 2018. What does 2019 hold for us, Scott? 2019 holds for us. That holds more content, more episodes, uh, more drinking, more watching movies, more discussing. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And possibly some uh, secret, uh, exciting plans um, that we might be able to share with you at some point this year. I'm not going to tell you too much. <laughs> Sounds like you don't know what any of those exciting <laughs> plans are, Scott. <laughs> I don't know what any of those plans are. <laughs> <laughs> it says that you're just making things up now. <laughs> uh, our lessons, as we've, shared, we've mentioned in the show and we've shared on the page before, our lessons last year blew the first two years clean out the water like our average yearly listens now are more than we scored a year one and two and yep. that's all down to you guys so 
everybody that is listening to one episode or all 83 now. We really appreciate you, everyone that's talking in the group or on Instagram. Thanks so much. It makes it worthwhile actually coming on and like being angry for an hour with Scott just because you guys seem to be enjoying it. Uh, a lot of people actually got in touch with their, their top 10 lists, which is brilliant. I wasn't really expecting anyone to do it, so thanks everyone for taking the time to do that and getting the cumulative listener list. Hopefully we'll give you some movies to go check out, or hopefully our lists kind of go hand in hand with yours. And yeah, just thanks for being on the Scott and Liam bandwagon, and hopefully 2019 we can be more kind of... What's the word I'm looking for? Hopefully 2019 we raise our game to the point where you just want to go and rate us five stars and you want to tell your friends and family about us so that we just continue to gain listenership and just continue having a reason to do this, you know? Yeah, and if you're going to Fright Fest in Glasgow this year, then be sure to get fucking good seats. Maybe around the middle, and then you maybe be sat next to us, and let's hang out, let's get a drink, and let's let's drink two bottles of wine before the last movie and forget it even exists again. It's always the best best way. Uh, so thanks for listening. You, you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Scott and Liam versus Evil. You can get us on Twitter and Instagram at Scott and Liam versus Evil, or you can send us an email if you want, but nobody really emails. It's Scott and Liam versus Evil at hotmail.com. Come, tell us what you think. Tell, give us your list if you haven't already. If you want to now join in, still come and tell us what you thought about our lists. Uh, where some of these movies placed in your list, or if you've got some gems on your list that we haven't even mentioned, then come and let us know why we are wrong. And you're right. Yeah. So next week I'll be we're kicking off the year with my pick, is that correct? That is correct, yep. Normal service will resume. Too right, it's fucking correct. And because of this in Bruges fiasco. Oh you're going to pick something that's fucking black and white or silent or some shit like that, aren't you? You bet your goddamn ass I am. So come back next week where we take racist Scott and a Cinefile <laughs> journey back to black and white times. See oh. you guys. Bye.